We are Export Audio. One, One two, two, three, four. four. Chicken. I ate the chicken. You ate the chicken. That was great. Yeah. It was really sexy of you. Um, brave. And brave. Don't forget and that part. Don't forget that part. Um, a lot of people say uh, that it's cowardly. I, I kind of... So Curly and I streamed till 2.30 and probably from 2.30 to 5. I just sat on the couch and read comic books and listened to music and it's like just great. It was just great. We're a little echoey. Well... I don't yeah. know what to do about that. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, there we go. That should solve it. Sure. Uh, we read two comic books. Scott Pilgrim's Volume 1 and 2. We what have no wife update. We have no wife update today. Why did you, I was just given a wife update. I, rushed oh, it. Yeah, I, I, I sat around, I listened to music, and uh, read comic books. It really was living my best life. I roasted a chicken. I was playing, I was watching some anime, and then I was playing some video games. I went grocery shopping. We hung out a bunch yesterday. Not as much as I would have liked, but... We hung out more than the day before. We hung out more than the day before. I We would have hung out more yesterday, but uh, I had to go to work four hours early because... Somebody else had to go on a date with their partner. Yeah. Oh, I should tell the story. This is a good story. So we do have a wife update. We do have a wife update. So it's 10 a.m. Um, Imagine. <laughs> All right. Imagine for a moment that you live in an apartment in St. Louis. With Nora Blake. With Nora Blake. And you're okay with this. <laughs> you're two consenting adults in the situation. <laughs> and... Um, you're on the phone with your mom, doing your obligatory weekly mom check-in, you know, as you do. You get a text from your boss, hey, so-and-so, we're gonna say Kelly, because nobody at my store is named Kelly. Kelly can't come to work today. Uh, she's really sick. Um, I was like, okay. And <laughs> she's gonna turn into a blob of water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kelly... <laughs> Kelly can't come in. She's really sick. Can you come in four hours early? So I was already going to work 5 to 10, and then I had, or I was going to work 5.30 to 10, and so they wanted me to come in from 1.30 to 5.30 and work Kelly's shift and then work my shift. Uh, and 
I knew, I went through the list of people who work at the store in my head, and I was like, well, that person can't work Sundays, that person uh, doesn't own a car, that person will just say no, um, so if I don't go in, nobody's going in, and then I'll show up at 5.30, and the store will be on fire. <laughs> Because they'll have been short a person all day. Also, apparently, the morning shift, they were also short a person all morning. Um, so I went in four hours early because I was like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay for it. In This is the reason that you are not getting a Young Frankenstein episode of Export Audio and yeah. instead are getting yeah. Export Audio's precious little podcast. Yeah, because Nora and I woke up Sunday morning like... Hung out, um, got some breakfast, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. and then we're <laughs> just just hanging out, just, just two hanging wives out. hanging out, <laughs> doing wife things. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, and then we were gonna watch Young Frankenstein. We, like, got home from getting breakfast. Young Frankenstein, please. We were parking in front of the apartment building, and you were like, you know what's a great movie? Young Frankenstein. I was like, that's a great movie. You want to watch it? And we were like, yeah. So we started it. Eventually. Eventually, because then I had to call my mom. Um, also, it's not on Google Play. Yeah, it's not on YouTube. And we didn't really feel like... Amazon. Normally, we would just pirate something, but we didn't plan it ahead. Yeah, yeah, and I have it on my laptop now, but you started a Hulu free trial just so that we could watch oh, it. Oh, that's right, I did. You did do that. You <laughs> have to cancel that. Yeah. I'm looking at you in the eye. You have to cancel did that. Did I ever cancel that Amazon Prime free trial? No, even though I reminded you like three times, I think. I should go cancel that. Oh, you're paying for it at this point. Whatever. Anyway. I'm not using it. Anyway. Um fuck was i talking about oh yeah so we were, we were gonna watch young frankenstein i was like well i'll call mom and then i'll we'll watch the movie and then i get this text from my boss we started young frankenstein that movie's great it's great we watched... i still remember all the jokes i just don't remember the framing or the cadence or the delivery or the picture part i just remember all the words we watched probably the first 45 minutes See, here's the thing about mel brooks that i think comes through in young frankenstein more clearly than anything else I, I know, I was... You are getting, actually, a Young Frankenstein expert out of this. I keep getting proven wrong on air. We're only six minutes in. Like, it's fine. Um, so, the thing about Young Frankenstein... I knew Mel Brooks at first because of Spaceballs. I had a Spaceballs on DVD as a kid. Oh, fancy. I know. I had VHS. It had the the DVD had two sides to it. One was full screen, one was widescreen. You we got it. Upgraded to the DVD at some point. Yeah, you got it. So we had Spaceballs. I watched Spaceballs a bunch as a kid, and I like <clears throat> much later saw Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles and Robin Hood, and still never saw Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles is really good. Um, and um. I think this comes through in Young Frankenstein more than anything else. That, like, he could have just made, like, regular movies. I think he was interested in making parodies and pastiches and comedies. But I think he just had the chops to just make, like, 
Like, if he'd wanted to make, like, a romantic comedy, uh, like, if he just wanted to make, like, a good romantic comedy or something, he could knock that shit out of the park. Not something that hinges on some of their previous work. Yeah, like, he, I, I don't, I think Mill Brooks had a lot of range that we don't give him credit for because we think of him as the parody guy. Yeah. You know? And even, like... It's not really a parody to do another Robin Hood. People do Robin Hoods all the time. But it is like a comedy. Yeah. And I... I, And... Until they get to Transylvania, like... There are jokes in Young Frankenstein, but it's not a, a... it doesn't start as like a comedy. There are some light jokes. I think and the then... first comedy, full full on comedy, full frontal comedy mm-hmm. scene is the train. Yes, yes. But like that opening is still like kind of funny. But the scene with him in the classroom. Yeah, there are some laughs, but, but it's, it's yeah. You know, uh, we didn't finish it though. We didn't finish it though. It's a good movie. We 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 will we will. Um. But then we also decided we wanted to read Scott Pilgrim again. Right. Why did we decide this? Because we wanted to do more export. Yeah, we were like, oh, I remember. Because we were talking about, like, we want to do export more. Maybe we should go into export episodes with a topic. How did we land on Scott Pilgrim as the topic? We were looking at books. Were we literally just looking at my bookshelf? No, we were talking. We were thinking about books. Oh, like the concept of books. Like, like could we, reading books. Could we like? I don't think we're gonna do this for various reasons. Um, but I, I think like I, the idea was floated. Like, can we make export a book podcast? Um, I don't think that's the thing that we're gonna do. Um, for various reasons, but um. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Scott Pilgrim. We're doing the first two volumes today. We'll be back in like a week or two weeks to talk about three and four, and then another week or two after that, five yeah. and six. Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life by Brian Lee O'Malley, and Scott Pilgrim versus the World by Brian Lee. O'Malley. I always forget that versus the World is uh, volume two. Yep. Can you name all six? Hell no. Absolutely not. Absolutely. There's the infinite sadness in Inf- one of them. What was that? Is it the smoke detector again? Must have been. Just keeping you on your toes? Yeah. Infinite Sadness, Finest Hour, Comes Home? I'm pulling it up. I have it up. You have it up? Yeah. Uh, Pilgrim series. Get Versus That's... the World, Infinite Sadness, Gets It Together, Versus the Universe, Finest Hour. That's gotta be... Is one of our smoke detectors detectors batteries dying? I don't know. Anyway. I hope it's not that bad. Oh, that's easy to fix. Um. Anyway. I'm gonna go... I'm gonna okay. go. I'm gonna go stand up and figure that out. If you wanna vamp, you can vamp. If you don't wanna vamp, you don't have to vamp.
And we're back. We're back. We're Grogu. What? I don't know. I was just... I'm just saying shit. Um, Grogu? Grogu? Scott Pilgrim. We were just talking about... Right. Precious of the Life versus the World. Infinite Sadness gets it together versus the Universe's Finest Hour. Oh, <coughs> um, I guess we don't have any more wife update. We don't have any more young Frankenstein. Should we just get into it? Yeah. How do we, do we want to do like a five sentence summary of these two volumes? One for each. There might not be five sentences about volume one. We can do three sentences, or we could do a plot in 60 seconds. We can do no, plot we're not, in 30 seconds. We're not doing plot in 30, 60 seconds. We're not doing plot in an allotment of time. I'm going to do three sentences about each volume. How's that sound? Okay. I could do five, but... Scott Pilgrim is dating a high school. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first sentence. <laughs> sentence two. He meets a cool girl in his dreams named Ramona Flowers and then sees her in real life and becomes obsessed with her. Um, that's, that's becomes that's obsessed it. with her. That's it. End of sentence two. Mm-hmm. Sentence three. Um, everybody around him is like, hey, asshole, you should probably date, break up with this 17-year-old that you're dating if you want to start dating um, Ramona, and Scott whines about it for a long time. That's it? That's it. I totally forgot Matthew Patel. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you you forgot the plot? (laughs) That's what what it's actually about. Scott has to defeat Ramona's seven evil exes if he wants to date her and they're all organizing to pose these challenges but they don't know that scott is the best fighter in the province yeah i almost said ontario but i forgot what the state word is over there what's is it ontario is that the the province toronto no toronto is a city do we know it we know it's in toronto because that's where Stacy goes in to Toronto, school, which is part of Ontario. I'm pretty sure. Well, let's let's click. Toronto is the biggest city in Canada. It's where virtually all the events of Scott Pilgrim take place. Although Scott used to live in northern Ontario, his family moved to Toronto before his senior year. He stayed in the city for college, attending the University of Toronto, and he still lives there. That's where Drake's from. Uh, I also didn't mention that Scott plays in a band. Yeah, that's kind of important. It's a, uh, Scott is. Can I do it? Can I do another take at this? No. <laughs> well, I guess that the listeners won't get to know that Scott is an unemployed layabout who's just twenty-three, in, who's just in a band and like lives with his cool game roommate who pays for everything. Like I don't know how Scott eats. Wallace cooks for him. We see that. He makes him bacon. He gets a plate of bacon, and that's his... 
Scott is the worst person. I don't know how he pays for food, like, day to day. He definitely talks about, like, he knows the price of a train ticket. Mm-hmm. I don't know where, maybe his parents give him money. Because his know. parents are gallivanting across Europe. So. So they, you know. Should we, let, let's, let's do a summary of volume two. Okay. Do you want to do it or do you want me to do it? You might be better at it. Let me just refresh my memory. Scott yeah. Pilgrim versus the world. It's these two blur together in my head because of the movie. The movie really rotted like my understanding of this story because like the movie. I like the movie. It's not half as like. There's not half the depth that um, the book has. I don't think. Uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World starts with a flashback where Scott Pilgrim beats up a guy to save a girl, but they don't... They make a band called Sonic and Knuckles, and then Kim is the drummer in the band, and Scott and Kim start dating, and then he moves away. Yes. Meanwhile... He finally has to break up with Kim, not Kim, Knives, the other yeah. Kim. Knives. And he's sad about it for about 30 seconds, and then he starts thinking about Ramona. Yeah. Um, and he has to fight Lucas Lee, who is a movie star and a former skater. And he doesn't. But he gets... Lucas Lee did light on fire by skating too hard. Yeah. So he wins. Yeah. Um, there's other things, like... Tracking all of the little... Little... Little things... Is a lot. Because there's way more characters than yes. you might think. Yes. If you haven't read so, the comic. What's your what's your history with this comic? Uh, my girlfriend in high school liked them. And I uh, loaned me... The first five, mm-hmm. about a month before the movie came out. Okay. When did the and movie come out? Then this was the first movie I bought on Blu-ray. This is the first movie that I own on Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, someone else gave it to me, but yeah. Um, <laughs> the movie they made him twenty-two. It sounds like, which is weird because Michael Sarah does not look twenty-two in that movie. That movie came out in twenty ten. Um. So yeah, the movie came out. Um, I went to see it opening weekend because it looked good. It is yeah, good. I was excited. Yeah, I was excited too. It looked like a... The, the tagline to... on this poster, could I read you this tagline? Sure. An epic of epic epicness. I went to see it with the person whose copies of the comic I borrowed. I went to see it with like 10 of my friends because I was like, this movie's going to be great. And my other 10 friends were like, well... We're all hanging out, and you seem really set on doing this. Because I wouldn't fucking shut up about it. And they're like, we're all hanging out anyway, because it's high school, and we don't know what we're doing. Like, so we'll go. And everybody liked it, but nobody believed me that this movie would be good. (laughs) And we were the only people in the theaters, and it was like the Saturday morning, and it had come out Friday night. I don't think this is a speed racer. No, no. This And I I want... You see YouTube comments and stuff? Yeah. But act like that but like i think this was a pretty popular movie this movie well to be fair this movie was a huge commercial flop 
in theaters. Totally bombed in theaters. Mm. Like, 100%. Um, it's just that, like, it was, you know, one of the biggest successes of the decade in um, the home video market. So, it kind of evens out. Um, I remember the grudge match between Scott Pilgrim vs. the World and The Expendables. Oh, I thought it was... As right. two different masculine-focused right. action movies. Right. And how this was the better one, because it wasn't just big muscle men shooting guns. It was like... Yeah. It was like comedic, and it had gaming in it, and yes. that made it better than the dumb movie expendables this movie's also dumb <laughs> so this movie comes out i'm 14 and when i'm 15 probably i read the black and white comics um i ended up like lending my comics to a friend that friend lent them to another like my my copies of scott pilgrim got all around like my friend group everybody read it eventually i bequeathed them to somebody else and just bought the color versions when those came out or my dad bought them anyway i was you know i was 18 whatever anyway um so i read these books and i think partially because the movie and partially because like this is something i was saying to you is that, like i when i first encountered scott pilgrim like as a property like, I was 15, and I was, I think I was just literally too young to understand most of what was happening in it, and not in a, like, not in a, like, I was too dumb, but just in, like, I don't know what it's like living with a shitty roommate, you know? <laughs> because I had only ever lived with my parents, mm -hmm. and I don't know what it's like to be unemployed, and I don't know what it's like, because I was, like, 15, I didn't know, like... I hadn't been through, I had, I had barely started dating, you know, I was interested in people, but I had barely been on dates at that point. The Wikipedia page has like a, a brief summary of each section, so we could have just read that. We could have just read that. Probably will in the future. Um, and, um, so yeah, it's just like, it's really interesting visiting this now and kind of like. It it is a it is like the rare coming of age story that's about being twenty three instead of being about sixteen, you know, and I think that's why people like it so much is because like people still feel like they're coming of age when they're twenty three, and um, but no one writes stories about being twenty three, or very few people do. Nobody Every, likes you when you're twenty three. Everybody. <laughs> everybody transfers like all those bad feelings to being 17 but you have a lot of different bad feelings between the ages of 17 and 23 once you have agency and know what sex is things get a lot more complicated yeah like even if you're 17 you might know what sex is but you don't actually know what sex is yeah. <laughs> so scott pilgrim is dating a high schooler scott pilgrim is dating a high schooler it's such a good line. <laughs> it's a good opening line. This, and it is also the opening line of the movie. When I was... When I first was reading Scott Pilgrim, I was not as old as Knives is. So yes. so the, the absolute, like, disgusting nature of Scott dating a high schooler didn't really hit me. 
because I was like, wow, I would also love to date a 23-year-old guy. <laughs> In a band. In a band. I was 16 at the time. Yeah. I was just figuring out about bisexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I borrowed these from a friend and really liked them. And they, it was still a... I was young enough that I cared about the way that video games are depicted in media. Yes, this is like a thing that I cared about when first... To the point where I was, like, upset when a TV show would have, like, footage of a gun game and then the audio was, like, Tetris. Yeah. Or, like, things like that. I remember getting... For some reason, fucking cared about. I remember getting really mad one time because there was a joke about somebody's, like, memory card for their Nintendo 64 getting, like, all the saves deleted. I was like... The Nintendo 64 didn't have memory cards. Fuck off. <laughs> it was all cartridge-based. You didn't need a memory card. The guard was the game. <laughs> anyway, um... Remember you used to have, like... I remember... I used to have a PS1 memory card that was 8 megabytes, and it felt so fucking fancy when I got a PS2 memory card that was 16 megabytes. I never paid attention to the numbers. I remember paying attention to the numbers for some reason. I remember paying attention to the numbers because I wanted to play Sonic Adventure 2 and get my Chow Garden, and I had a really massive Chow Garden save, and my stepdad wanted to play Madden 03. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and also, like, the book does not treat Scott Pilgrim as dating a high schooler with, like, the same gravity it would in 2021. Yes. It's a very... Interesting difference because this was written in two thousand four. Yes, and it's not that's not the only reason, but like Kim is the only one who really is like, "Hey, are you actually doing this for because you're happy, or are you like an abuser?" Stacy is also doing this a little bit, but like in a way, because no one listens to Kim, mm-hmm. um. She can be a little harsher than, like, other people can be. There is a huge difference between, like, you know, Scott doing this um, in 2004 has one person in his life be like, this is fucked up. I don't like you. Mm -hmm. I also don't know how to disentangle my life from yours for reasons we'll get into in later volumes. Yeah. Um, Like... But if this was happening in 2020, like, <laughs> it would be a fucking ordeal. That would be the whole movie. That would be the whole movie. Right. Is like... The whole comic. Yeah. And it's like, it's just interesting to think about the difference of perspective. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of stuff that's like, really... There, there's a lot of stuff that's like really funny in how quaint it is looking back at how a lot of things are really similar between 2020 and 2004 but a lot of things are really different the thing that kept hitting me throughout this is that indie rock was a thing that anyone cared about because is this it had come out three years ago (laughs) and like this was just like this scene existed 
Like, the, there were rock bands that just, like... You know, COVID's only been happening for a year. There are still rock bands. Honey, there are not rock bands anymore in 2021. What? There are... Ab- nobody's in bands anymore. What are you talking about? People are in bands all the time. Band camp. Band is in the title. Rock bands do not exist now like they did in 2004. That economy is dried up. I don't know what you're saying because music is still around and people still make rock music. Music, but indie rock does not matter. Indie rock mattered in 2004 and it doesn't now. I don't know what you're talking about. Because you... You don't have to like derail our podcast or anything. It's just no, like, I, I think... just have no idea what you mean. Because... I just think this is like part of the texture of like the thing is that like these are all layabout musicians who play a gig, make a couple hundred bucks off it, try to make play another gig later this week, keep trying to get known, keep trying to get this record deal. Um, like that economy is gone. Um. Like, this whole, like, class of people who could kind of coast on their parents' money and, like, be layabouts and kind of be poor, but, like, it didn't matter at all, that's gone. And what it's replaced with is, like, influencers and, like, trying to make a buck on Bandcamp because, but, like, none of us are in the same place. Like, I'm putting out an album and... I'm collaborating with other people who live a thousand miles away from me because Discord exists. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can share things back and forth and we can collaborate in a way that we couldn't um, back back in 2004. So there is a scene here. All those scenes are gone. Those don't exist anymore. (laughs) Um. And I think it's like I think it's like important to the book because I think like I I think that like um everybody in this book is kind of directionless and shitty. <laughs> and this was like a sort of time in music where every where you could just have dozens and dozens and dozens of white kids like hanging around being like directionless and shitty and hoping that they would get a record deal. <laughs> um like iTunes showed up and nobody gets nobody got record deals for a while, you know? Or if like everybody got famous like three years after this, Soldier Boy comes out <laughs> mm-hmm. and like music is a different thing, you know? And I don't think Soldier Boy made music a different thing. I think Soldier Boy is emblematic of music not working this way anymore. Um, I think there's a. I think this book is like. It's really interesting all the ways that this book is critical of fantasy and critical of Scott um, dating a high schooler. Um, because he's trying to live out this, like, fantasy that his life can be simple, while also... And also, as, like, a remedy Mm -hmm. for this breakup that he had, and because this is a simple relationship, or an easy relationship, that he doesn't have to put much into. Yes. And I think the book is very critical of Scott for 
trying to live this fantasy life where he can never think about his problems, you know? Um, and also this, the book like very firmly exists in this fantasy world where, you know, ah, who knows how Scott eats, but he eats, you know? (laughs) And like coins shoot out of people. Like there's a lot of layers of like fantasy that I think the book is both critical of and also still like indulging in because the, the something else that you said to me is like, why the fuck does Ramona even like him? <laughs> I, my memory is very murky about the comic version of the story, but I, it seems to me like she's doing the same thing to him that he's doing to Knives, where he's like a simple relationship because yeah. she's constantly just talking about how dumb he is. Yeah. Like every scene. Yeah. And then they're still together. And it sort of seems like he is that for her after she breaks up with Gideon. Yeah. Well, and you saying that kind of spurred my thinking toward, like, this is probably the most obvious thing in the world, but, like, much as the book is, like, on the surface about Scott having to fight Ramona's exes, this is also about Scott having to fight his own exes. (laughs) Um... Because Envy and Knives are, like, and Kim and Lisa are all, like, presences in his life that he has to, like, deal with over the course of this series. Um, And, like, even if it's ostensibly about going and fighting these other people, it's really about, like, him, him dealing with all of that. Which I absolutely wouldn't have got to without you pointing out, like, why does Ramona like him? Mm. And the answer is because she's a 10 and he's a 7 and that's easy. <laughs> 7? <laughs> Everybody in this book describes Scott as hot. I didn't miss that. But... People, I, I, Wallace might be doing it jokingly, but I feel like people describe him as hot. I don't know why. I think Ramona says he's hot, but also like She's kind of in a... It's weird if you say your girlfriend is not... Your boyfriend is not hot. Um... But yeah. Like... I didn't remember Scott's exes being so present either, because the movie cuts all that out. Yeah. Aside from... Uh... Envy Adams. That's another thing, is that, like... I forgot how important, um... Kim is to the story Mm -hmm. because she's not in the movie hardly at all except to be kind of a bitch and um like she's such she is like the emotional center of the like she is like the anchor that you need in this book of like the one person who is likable because i can't tolerate scott (laughs) steven stills is worse because he's encouraging him (laughs) To specifically to further his career. Yes. Um, Wallace is great, but Wallace, like, is just off having... uh, Wallace is off living his own, like, kind of messy gay romance comic that, like, is noticeably less dramatic, like, somewhere else. He keeps stealing guys from Stacy. Yeah, like, he's just living in, like, a shoujo manga. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, like... You you kind of need Kim in this like whirlwind of people you hate. 
Um, I'm also not endeared to Ramona so far in these first two. How do you feel about Ramona? Yeah, yeah. It's... She's not... Um, she does not have that much charisma right now. Yeah, I... She's neat, but if you've dated a person with dyed hair before, she's not as neat. <laughs> like, you know... <laughs> If you've been around people with dyed hair and leggings before, then it's like... I I personally resent this as a person who wants to have dyed hair and leggings, but is a huge pussy about changing You have leggings. I have leggings. I need more leggings. Um, I'm just, you know, Ramona herself is interesting as a character in the sense that she's, like, got her own flaws... I don't see her as a particularly engaging romantic lead. Yeah. I wish she was funnier or something. Like, I wish... I wish, yeah, because... She's also the straight man. I know that she's going to get character development in later stuff. But, like, I kind of wish there was, like, a hook to... She's mm. cool. She's deadpan, but not as deadpan as Kim. This is the other thing, is that... I thought Ramona was cool and hot and, like... Exotic. Exotic. And now I look at Ramona and I think, this is just the person that Brian Lee O'Malley wanted to be dating. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fine. Straight men are allowed to have things that they like. Um, I don't know that he's straight. Whatever. Um... Oh, also, Brian Lee O'Malley has cited Kodelka as an inspiration for... No shit. What? Kodelka. The exploded page layouts of Kodelka directly influenced the full bleed layouts of Scott Pilgrim. What is Kodelka? It's the JRPG they just played on Abnormal Mapping. Oh, I was was gonna set you up for... Like, is there a podcast I could listen to where I could learn more about Kodelka? No. Okay, well... (laughs) I guess I'll just say the words abnormalmapping.com. I literally um, just said I that know, there was a podcast. I know. Um, what else? What else? Knives Chow. Knives Chow. She does a lot more in the comic. She does a lot more in the she comic. She has way more scenes. She has way more scenes. I think she's also like the emotional center of this. You can't have two emotional centers. Well, Okay. I, I think the book wants you to hate Scott, which is a thing I didn't pick up on when I was reading. I don't know. I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. I don't know. I hate Scott. I hate him. And I think... I think you need more sympathetic... Okay. Even if you like Scott... The arc of the book is about how Scott is an asshole and needs to stop being an asshole. And, um... But Scott is not unappealing as a character. Yes. Because he's still funny. Yes. You're still laughing at all the funny jokes. Yes. And there's a certain level of wish fulfillment to Scott. Of like, I wish I could be an indie rock guy. I wish I could play bass so I wouldn't have, like, real responsibilities, but I would have... (laughs) (laughs) Weird slam on bass players? 
Um, what was I gonna say? Um, like, but so I think you need two. I think you need people around him that are like a little more sympathetic, and I think Kim and Knives give you that. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah. Can I can I read you something? Because we were talking about um stuff yesterday, and I just I wanted to read something because it informs a lot of my thinking about Scott Pilgrim. Um, that I I think this is like important context because I, I I often see people talk about knives as a sort of like fetishistic character um yeah you see her face in the collage of the yeah like, asian girl with dyed bang archetype yes character. which i think is a, a fair cri- criticism to leverage certainly at the movie yes um but the thing that i always push back on against that i it, I'm going to read this post that Brian Lee O'Malley did on his Tumblr in 2013. Maybe he's had feelings evolve since 2013 about this, but I think it I think it informs a lot of how I think about what this book is trying to get at with knives. Um, so we get an asker asking, This isn't meant to be an insult, but I was wondering why in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which I loved, there aren't many people of color. Um, there's Matthew Patel... Um, but not many others. Um, is this because of the setting? Uh, I'm just curious. I hope it doesn't come off as rude. Thanks. Brian Lee O'Malley answers. I always wanted to make some kind of definitive statement about this, but I think I'll probably just ramble instead. First, I think it sucks that Scott Pilgrim came out so white. I am mixed, white and Korean, and grew up being told that race didn't matter, that race was kind of over. As with many other things you're told as a kid, it took me many years to realize that it wasn't really true. It was wishful thinking on the part of my parents who were in a mixed relationship. I wish it was true. We all wish it was true, but it's not true. I grew up in an extremely white environment in northern Ontario during the time I was growing up. It was really just white people and uh, native slash First Nations people. I moved to a bigger town in high school, and I think my high school had like three black kids and four Asian kids. Later in high school and in college, I hung out with Asian kids a lot, but white Canadian culture was like 99% of everything around us. So I guess what I'm saying is, what I knew in the first 20 years of my life was white people and a little bit of Asian people, so that's why I put, so that's what I put in Scott Pilgrim. I had an unexamined non-attitude towards race, and I didn't think about it until years later. When I saw the movie, It was kind of appalling to see just how white it was, to not even see myself represented on the screen, at least in the comic. At least in the comic, they were just cartoons. You can project yourself into a simple drawing of a person so easily. Race seems to matter less. Look at the global popularity of manga, where everybody's ostensibly Japanese. And who knows, maybe if my book had more people of color, they would have been whitewashed. Maybe if my books had more people of color... Uh, they would have been whitewashed in the movie, or the movie would never have been made. Hollywood scares me. <laughs> uh, by the time the movie got made, I was just super proud that I had created a plum role for someone like Ellen Wong, who otherwise may not have been in a major movie just by being born Asian and Canadian. 
I've sometimes joked that Scott Pilgrim is my fantasy of being a cute white indie rock boy, which as an ostracized mixed-race weirdo was something I occasionally wished for when I was younger. I guess I washed, I guess I whitewashed myself out of my own story and I got what, I got what I deserve. It's complicated. Um. So. A lot of context that I had no clue about before yesterday. Yes. Um, and so. I, I think part of what's happening with Knives' story is like, if Scott Pilgrim is like an ambiguously raced character, um, like it is less of a fetishistic thing for him to be dating. Like, um, they still touch on this in the book because his sister Mm -hmm. calls an ass with the Catholic school curl uniforms and everything. (laughs) But I think that is like, the 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 fetishistic aspect of it and not the like dating an asian person i don't think that's like the with cool dyed hair i don't think that is what the the book is trying to get at even if uh in terms of demographics there are not a wide diversity Mm -hmm. i feel like every representation of a person in this comic it feels lived Yes. Like it very like every character in this comic feels like a based on a person that he knew. Yes, <laughs> or extremely. a couple people. There's something very uh believable about every single character. Wallace feels like a mashup of like three different gay friends he had. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um I really it's really interesting the way that gay people are in this comic because I think we're going to get more of this later. Yes, we are definitely getting more of this. Be- but yeah, we are. But like gay people are in this book and like just off screen because Scott doesn't have any sort of like way of thinking about same-sex attraction, so he's just like, "Oh, that's weird. Wallace is making out with a guy." Well, good for him. And then just like... <laughs> I, was, I remember seeing so many people say that this was the good representation. Uh-huh. Because the gays aren't too loud. Yes. Because they're just there and no one cares. Yes. Which is a whole other conversation. Right. But I do think that there's a very earnest portrayal here of people. Yeah. It's also... It's nice. I don't know. I'm I'm so used to I'm so used to like when gay people are in like books I'm reading, the books are about gay people, you know? It is nice to read something where a straight person just has no capacity to process what's happening in our world (laughs) and we're still there it's not they're not erasing us but it is funny to like read something where we're there and just not that important to the story (laughs) and we're having our own messy fucking lives i'm sure that wallace breaks up with like seven people over the course of this book series (laughs) he sleeps with at least three people in the movie Two of which at the same time. Yes. <laughs> so, like, he's he's got his own adventure going on over there. But, like... I, he's also the best character in the movie. Oh, by far. <laughs> um, I forget which, um... Culkin. 
uh, child is playing him in that movie, but he's outacting everybody in the movie. <laughs> um. Yeah, we said we weren't going to talk about the movie that much, but, you know. Wait, well, the thing is also that, like, these first two volumes get really heavily just, like, recreated in the movie. And as we get to 3, 4, 5, and 6, that's going to become increasingly less true. 100% not true for 6, you know, because it wasn't even out. Yeah. But, um... So much of the script is just taken off these pages. Yes. And, and it's still funny. It's still funny. They, it's, there's interesting stuff with how they play things in the movie. Everything in the movie works at like that breakneck speed. When Envy calls, oh, um, am I a user or something? No, I'm jealous. You're, I'm allowed to be. Like there's this like quick back and forth, like fucking some like it hot or some other fucking Billy Wilder movie. Um, and, on the page, at least how I read it, was not that. I read it like, oh, are you jealous? Yes, I'm jealous. I'm allowed. You know, <laughs> like, like long, breathy pauses between everything. You know, that's how I read it. I mean, there's a two-page spread of just red with the Hello Scott yeah. word bubble. Yeah. I think uh, Brian Lee O'Malley is like a really good cartoonist, and I think it's, I think it's more true in Volume Two than in Volume One. I think it's going to become more and more true. We'll probably end up talking about it more uh, as it goes on, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so Evil Exes, Evil Exes. Yeah, Matthew Patel. Yes, from grade school. Yes, this is how these these are go. Is that they're all from like grade school or high school or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, are you okay? Yeah, I just need to plug in my laptop so that I can read questions later. I have access to my email account. Well, I still don't want my laptop to die. Um, but yeah. Matthew Patel has mystical powers. Yeah. And Rona is kicking desks. Meow, meow. And then Lucas Lee was like a gawky high school guy and she left him for the next ex for the next book mm-hmm. vegan <laughs> <laughs> they do I, the thing i remember about the vegan stuff in volume three is really good and they also do an incredible job of like condensing it down to two minutes in the movie <laughs> They also have, like, a scene where they cook dinner together. Yeah. Because they have Ramona over. And they're like, um, we're making vegan food. And Ramona's like, oh, who's vegan? Nobody. But we wanted to be inclusive. <laughs> <laughs> it's this very, like, millennial Gen X cusp idea of inclusivity. <laughs> we don't know. I assume that's because Ramona might be. So they wanted to be like. Yeah. I don't know. Well, one of them doesn't eat fish, and one of them, or one of them only eats fish and not regular meat. One of them just offers that they eat fish. Yeah, we don't actually know. That's all they say is, oh, I eat fish. <laughs> the, the joke of young Neil is so good. Yeah. Especially because they're all Canadian. 
I know Neil Young is Canadian. Who's Neil Young? Wait, just, sorry, what do you think the joke with Young Neil is? It's funny to call him Young Neil because <laughs> he's young, but he's not, like, that young. There is a Canadian... He's, they call him Stephen Stills. They don't ever call him Stephen. They always say Stephen Stills. There I is, thought it was just a goofy name. There is a, there is a folk singer, a rock singer named Neil Young. He's very famous. <laughs> looks like Kurt Cobain. He's, he's Canadian. Um, and so the joke is that they call him Young Neil. <laughs> I thought it was just because he was like a year or two younger than them. It's also that, for sure. I don't know who this person is. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Wait, 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 scroll up, scroll up, scroll up, scroll up, scroll up. He was in a band with Steve. I forgot that Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. One of the ba- one of the people in the band is named Stephen Stills. I forgot that part. Oh, I forgot that that's also part of the joke. Right, and the the color versions, which is what I read, has a bunch of um, concept art and sketches and notes about design in the back. And it's funny that Envy Adams is actually based on Emily Haynes. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I wish they could have had Emily Haynes play that character. That would have been really good. I wonder if it's just like, she doesn't want to act. I, I, sure. I, I wonder if she just doesn't want to be in front of a camera. Maybe they never wanted to offer that anyway. Yeah, it could be. Um, like, Beck doesn't play Scott. <laughs> or Steven Stills. So. Yeah. I don't even know what Beck looks like, because in my head I'm thinking about that other guy who was in Game of Thrones. Beck. I vaguely know what Beck looks like from the cover of one of his albums. Ed Sheeran. That's what I'm thinking of when I think of the name Beck. He kind of looks like Michael Sarah, to be honest. Yeah, he's... Mm. No. Um, you ever listen to Beck? You like Beck? Yeah, back around uh, 2010. <laughs> I was into. I my dad used to have Odelay in the car. I remember the song "Dreams." Um, I mostly just remember "Devil's Haircut" and "Hot Wax." Um, Hot Wax, I've heard for sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know anything about Beck other than my dad owned Odelay and Mutations, and he played them in our car a lot. Uh, but I, I don't. don't... I only I know the Beck song that was on the radio like six years ago. What was that one? Dreams. I don't know that one. Uh, I don't know why I'm going through his albums one by one. Yeah, that's not the best way to... It's really not a good way to do this. Uh, Beck, Dreams. I don't know this. Is it not called Dreams? I don't remember. Yeah, it is it's called, called Dreams. Dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, what is it, 2015. Okay, yeah. It was on FIFA 16. Almost exactly six years ago. You pretty much nailed that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that rep probably wraps us for volumes one and two, unless you have more to say about that back matter. It seemed interesting. It's neat. It's not that important. Um, should I take us to questions then? Do we want to talk about Lucas Lee at all? No. He's nothing in this. He's so much better in the movie. He's so much better. Chris Evans does a really good job with that character. Yeah. 
He's nothing. Like when he just fun- fucking punches out Scott and turns to Ramona, it's like he seems nice. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it kind of sucks that like everybody gets there after Lucas Lee is already dead, so nobody can be making jokes. It's a good fix that the movie makes to that, you know. Um, questions. Um, Nia asks, have you seen this ad for Scott Pilgrim from an issue of Shoujo Beat I bought once just for the Nana cover art? Um, what do you think of this ad? Here we've got Brian Lee O'Malley sitting at his drafting table. Um, I'm going to narrate this comic for you. (laughs) If you want to, if you want every day to hear somebody narrate a comic to you, you can go to, uh, I think, at Garf Read Aloud. On Twitter, where Nia reads Garfield strips aloud to you. Um, so, finally, O'Malley is sitting at his drafting table. He's like, what am I going to do for Shoujo Beat? This is impossible. What do I know about Shoujo? I'm not even a girl. Ah, I'm an imposter. Kill me now. And then I remembered that huge stack of untranslated, unreadable manga in my room. Well, at least I'm a huge dork. Um, I'm, I have no thoughts on this. It is very funny to hear somebody in 2020, in 2021, it is very funny to hear somebody say, what do I know about Shoujo? I'm not even a girl because I just read that a different way now. (laughs) Our next email comes in from no reply at roosterteeth.com. Ruby Risk is now available. A new episode of Ruby is available. Oh, I thought you were saying that there's a Ruby board game. That would be pretty sick. That would be pretty sick. <laughs> They'd have to, like, define the countries more to... We got, an, we got an email here from Kim that says, Thoughts on Kim Pine, just curious, signed at Kim Pining on Twitter. I don't it's think she even has that at. Does she have that at anymore? I thought she just changed it to her... She probably uh, still has it. I assume. I haven't really looked. Yeah, yeah. Okay, she... Okay. I was probably looking at her locked account, and I was like, that's not even your app. Um, anyway, Kim's great. We talked about her already. We're going to get more Kim in future volumes. We'll keep revisiting this. If you want to reread this with us, be on Kim Watch, because Kim has more subtle little notes than you might remember. I think Kim is, like, the best character in this book by far, and that is not something that I remembered about this at all. I just was reading this was like oh right lisa exists yeah lisa is a character <laughs> that 100 fell out of my mind yeah. when i first so olivia um asks which scott program girl were you obsessed with in high school when you read it it was lisa for me when i read it it was ramona like well i was obsessed with one panel of lisa oh We'll get to it later. Okay. Relating to bisexuality. Okay. But um It was probably Ramona. There was there was, in hindsight, a weird mixture of Oh, she's so hot. Like, I wanna date Ramona, and also like I wanna be Ramona. You know? I just wanted to date an older girl who was smarter and more capable than me who could take care of me. I've got great news. Yeah? I check almost all of those boxes except older. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Autumn Blake, known for having her shit together. (laughs) I cooked a meal and went grocery shopping today, and I planned meals for the rest of the week. 
and the days I would cook them on so that things won't go bad. Mm-hmm. Suck my dick. Okay. Juo, <laughs> <laughs> <Drew>, uh... <laughs> I didn't read this before. Juo <laughs> sent me a screenshot of a tweet that has a screenshot of an email. (laughs) You didn't see this? No! (laughs) Where he asks, Oh, hey, what would be your evil ex's power in gimmick battle? Is this asking what my ex's power would be? Or if I were an evil ex, what what would my power be? How about... How about right now, this is asking what would your power and gimmick be as an evil ex? And if... He wants to resubmit this question next time with increased clarity. We can answer this for our own exes. Okay. Or, like, one ex. Because I'm not really not going to go into, like, well, this ex would do. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't want to think about most of my exes as much as possible. Um, Do I have traits? (laughs) My, My gimmick would definitely be, like, a... Like a... Barista. Cooking showdown. Yeah. 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 Chopped. Like, yeah, like it would definitely Yeah, it would be chopped. Like I would bring Scott onto Iron Chef. Um, one of those book YouTube people I started watching some of has started she's done it twice now. Uh Cookin' Book, which is her monthly wrap up of books she's read. And that she talks about while cooking a meal. I, re- I really want to read that, or I really want to watch that, because I need more book content in my life. It's not that deep. It's still not what I'm looking for. No. I don't even need that deep, to be honest, because part of the thing that I'm looking for is just, like, an engine that will recommend me books that is not, like, a computer. Sure. You know? Because every time I go on Goodreads, it just feels like I'm being advertised to. I just want somebody to say... I read this book. It was alright. It was kind of about this thing. You know? Well, that's what every channel that I've been looking at lately is. That's all I want on some okay. level. Because well, I'll read the books. I'll have my own damn opinions. I just need somebody to tell me books that are interesting. I want somebody to tell me about the class structures of Aragon, goddammit. Yeah, you want deep reads. I'm, I don't really... I just do my own deep reads because I don't trust anybody. I want deep reads on things that I know nothing about or things that I know everything about. Mm-hmm. This is why I listen to The Shrieking Shack. It's because I remember Harry Potter. Yeah. But they're going to read The Cursed Child, mm-hmm. which I've never touched. Mm-hmm. And so that'll be how I experience, experience that. How can we incorporate, like... Harry Potter into our podcast? No. <laughs> I'd sooner die. Blockchain into our podcast? No. Um, how can we incorporate, like, knowledge about lore into, like, your evil ex gimmick thing? I don't know. 
Do you want me to say that it would just be a quiz show about, like, two thousands video games? That comes to mind, but, like... I feel like I don't have traits. You have traits. You're just feeling very bad about yourself lately. Oh, no. But you have traits. I don't know. I have no idea. Anyway, Crystal asks... I have always avoided Scott Pilgrim because, to me, it radiated the energy of, finally, a comic for the geeks and gamers, and as time has gone on, I have developed an even more severe knee-jerk reaction to it as something aging millennials cling tightly to without exploring more in their romantic comedy genre that isn't filtered through video game fights. How unfair is this to the actual comic? Only mildly. Um, I do think the comic is good, but I think Crystal's knee-jerk assessment is correct as well, so I think that there's I think there's a lot of depth to this, but I don't think that this is like, you know, unparalleled depth for the genre. I think that this is like territory that a lot of other things have covered. I feel like this is way more about music than it is about video games. Oh yeah. Like, the video game stuff is more visual, like, more vibrant, but, like, I feel like it's more about that than about video games. Yeah, I definitely think, I definitely think this is a book about indie rock. But it is also about video games. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's a book about video games because video games, um, yeah, add a lot of, like, visual flair Mm -hmm. and are easy gags that'll play to a lot of people, um, when... Um, I do think more stories of all genres should have big fistfights. I I think I think the thing that Scott Pilgrim does that's unique. I don't think that Scott Pilgrim does any individual thing that's unique. I think like the way that it mashes together all of this stuff, the way that it mashes together like you know indie rock. And, like, coming of age and romantic and video game references. None of that... All that, You can get all of these things from other places, for sure. It's just that, like, Scott Pilgrim did all of these things in, like, the specific way that it does. And I think Brian Lee O'Malley is, like, a, a good writer and a great cartoonist to like sell all of these things really well Mm. um and i think that i think it's also interesting to like you know i think it is interesting to think about like you know for for us like these millennial zoomer cusp people how different everything was 15 years ago i i also think it's important to remember that this book came out in 2004 and haha video game reference was a very different thing in 2004 than it is now you know um like people weren't doing this to the same extent in 2004 for sure but yeah that's my thoughts i i don't think i don't think anything that crystal said is wrong for sure I don't know. I guess Scott Pilgrim probably does hit different if you were a teenager in 2004. 
Yeah. Or if you have a connection to that. To, uh, if you have an experience of teenager or, or, or young adulthood where you don't have a cell phone. Yeah. You don't have, you don't have Twitter. You're not constantly connected to everyone. I'd be curious to hear how this hits you if you're 20 when these books start coming out and you're 26 by the time it finishes. Because it it ran from 2004 to 2010. Yeah. Well, I'm curious to hear how this book lands if you're like 30 or nearing 30 in 2010, you know? Um, yeah, there's plenty of people like that who read those comics that just we would never cross paths with. Yeah, there's just like a slightly older generation of people yeah. that we just don't hang out with, you know? Um, because those people aren't all like non binary weirdos. <laughs> I mean, do you think that the comics were aimed at that or aimed at sixteen-year-olds? It's hard to say. It's I, I. They talk a lot about sex for some, but also it's from. Is isn't he Canadian? Yeah. Which I don't know how how they talk about sex in Canada, but like here where I grew up, like that wouldn't have flown. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. No, what... Just Crystal's note about aging millennials. I never considered people older than me getting into it because I was 16 when the movie came out, which is after the comics are done. I think um I think that this series I think if I was reading it, like I think if I picked up this book in 2006 and there's three volumes out and I'm waiting on three more or whatever it is. Um I could be really frustrated. I think every year when one of them came out, I would have to reread the one before it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I think this plays a lot better in completion than it probably did in serialization. Is that not something that people also say about graphic novels today? Like, I feel like people have said that exact thing about... Uh, uh, All comic the, books. The one, though. Saga. Yeah, Saga. Saga definitely plays better in trades. Um, but yeah, just... It's just interesting because this was serialized in a different way than how most are serialized. Because most comics, I feel like, are either a single graphic novel or coming out a lot more frequently than Scott Pilgrim was. Yeah, and it has chapters inside of each volume. Mm-hmm. But not in a way where you would see that as separate being released separate. Yeah. Because the the structure of the, the pages and everything isn't... Yeah. Isn't like that. But. And I think it's like... I think... I wish more things came out in the way that Scott Pilgrim did. I prefer reading a graphic novel um, to, like, you know, a monthly comic book, for sure. I, I wish that artists were given, like, here's, here's a year, go make your book, and we'll put it out when it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but yeah, like, I do think that this would have been a really frustrating read at the time. When I got into it, the sixth one wasn't quite out yet, but it was on its way. Yeah. 
I, I think I got into it after the sixth one was out, but I didn't realize... I probably got into it, like, very shortly after the... Like, very shortly after the sixth one goes out. So... Uh... That's it for uh, emails. Yeah. You gotta work in the morning, so we should probably wrap it up, huh? Yeah. Uh, where can people find you online? People find me on Twitter at Atomal underscore coffee. You can see my other podcasts like and then an aeroplane um a anime podcast that i do with m of the abnormal mapping network or they can go listen to duo lane which is on the patreon it's a show that you and olivia do um it's kind of similar to export really and that y'all just talk about whatever you want to talk about you know next week we're going to record an episode on the russian dragonlance musical maybe yeah we're going to talk about it. Did we talk about it? I don't know. Oh! Shit. I what? just remembered something. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's not a big deal. Um, We lost an episode for, like, uh, production reasons. Like, there was the audio was bad on it. Um, and I talked about something that I want to... I'm going to go over really briefly here, which is just that, like... I feel like I have not been listening to my friends' podcasts enough, and I'm trying to fix that. I caught up on We Are the Champions. Um, I've been trying to catch up on various, like, export and abnormal mapping shows the last couple weeks, and I want to start trying to, like, in addition to plugging stuff that I do, plug stuff that other people in, like, our orbit do. Um, And so... Yeah, I just wanted to shout that out. And I wanted to say, like, because I don't think I've ever, like, I I maybe, like, mentioned it in passing here and there, but, like, if you are, maybe you don't know, that we also host a anime podcast that, like, I'm not affiliated with, you're not affiliated with, so this is why people might not know about it, but it's called Ghost Divers. Um, it's hosted by Nia and Connor. They do, like seasons of anime so like they covered standalone complex they're covering Cromarty high school and if you like export and the sort of rambling nature that we have and you wish that it was hosted by two people with postgraduate degrees that like took notes and like knew what the fuck they were saying i think it's a really good podcast that's all it's really weird to hear like vibes similar to our own but with people who like really thought about ahead of time about what they wanted to say it's mm-hmm. bizarre <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at either Nora. You can find stuff I do at norablake.online. You can find Journal Updated at the secondbestgame.club. We're playing Disco Elysium this month, so look forward to that, maybe. Yeah. Do we have a sign-off for this? Uh, I hope you've enjoyed thinking about death and getting sad and stuff. <laughs> um, no. We don't have a sign-off. I think that was a great sign-off. It's not a sign-off. I was happy with that. Uh, keep it Scottio. <laughs> um, I'm just looking very soulfully into your eyes. You're in lesbians with me. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> yeah.
used to be one of the bitching ones and you liked you for that. Used to be one of the bitching ones and you liked you for that. Used to be one of the bitching ones and I liked you for that. Now you're all gone, got your makeup on and you're not coming back, can't you come back? Used to be one of the rotten ones and I liked you for that. Now you're gone, got to me.